Trigger warning! The following podcast contains gratuitous discussion about the sport of ice hockey, its history, its players, and various other trivia related to the coolest game on ice. If you are turned off by such discussions, too bad, on with the show! This is the Otaku Nate Show, episode 39, Pride of Orange, five-minute major waste of time. What is up, anime fans? Otaku Nate here with another installment of the Otaku Nate Show, the anime podcast where we talk about anime that we want to talk about. Joining me this week is Tim the Otaku Jock. Trying to bring things around the dash, her to set up another uh, another play in the zone. <laughs> and Eric Berg. Just another blues fan begging for more punishment. <laughs> And today we are unfortunately going to be talking about Pride of Orange, or Pura Ore, as it is known in Japan, released in 2021 by C2C, running for a total of 12 episodes. The director of this was Takebumi Anzai. The only other notable credits I could find in his repertoire were the haiku anime Go Go 575, and his most recent show is Otaku Elf. The writer for the show was Toko Machida. We actually reviewed something that she has written in the past, which was the not-very-good isekai series Kemono Michi. Other than that, her output has been... Eh, fine... Some stuff of note she wrote, Show by Rock, which I actually enjoyed. Wake Up Girls, Ramen Fighter Mickey. She's also written two other sports anime, Iwa Kakeru Sport Climbing Girls, that's an anime about rock climbing, and Harukana Receive, the beach volleyball anime. She has also unfortunately written Amnesia, and one of my favorite guilty pleasure anime of the last five years, the Netflix series High Rise Invasion. So, which of you two wants to tell the people what Pride of Orange is about? Uh, considering that I think I was the one who uh, who uh, made you aware of this, maybe I should be the one to do it. <clears throat> you dropped it, you pick it up. Yep, <laughs> very much so. Um, Alright, so Pride of Orange, uh, a basic premise for this, it's a... Uh, a women's ice hockey show where where uh, a handful of girls from uh, a middle school take a trial class for ice hockey at this uh, at their local ice arena uh, with a team called the Dream Monkeys, which you gotta admit that's an interesting name if nothing else. And then afterwards, they enjoyed it enough that they decide to keep on it and want to continue playing it. And well, you go from there. It's honestly. A simple premise, but, you know, we've seen simple premises done well, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So, I usually ask my co-hosts what their initial impressions were, 
but because I brought this on myself, I will tell you my story with Pride of Orange. Now, all three of us are ice hockey fans, and I have been an ice hockey fan myself as far as I can remember when I went to my first Devils game, I think in like either 98 or 99 when they played the Rangers, I think the score was like a 3-3 tie back when the NHL still had ties. This was when we had that classic Hall of Fame lineup of Jason Arnett and Patrick Eliash and Peter Sikora and Bobby Holik and Scott Niedermeyer and Scott Stevens and Ken Danico and the GOAT, Marty Brodeur in net. And I have been a hockey fan all my life and my loyalty to my team, the New Jersey Devils, has not waned. Even in our doldrum years, I still followed the team and you know, our other co-hosts are hockey fans. I'm, of course, a Devils fan. We're one of the hottest and promising teams in hockey. Uh, Eric, you're a Blues fan. I hope you guys can at least bounce back after rough seas last year. And uh, Tim, you're a Capitals fan. Good luck on your rebuild. Uh, hope Ovi gets the goals record. And I really like the hiring of Spencer Carberry as your head coach. Rebuild, still kind of a little uh, overstated at the moment, though. Definitely a lot of major retooling as the core ages. So, once I got into anime, I didn't really pay much attention to the sports stuff, even though I know that sports anime is extremely popular and incredibly influential. As a matter of fact, one of the most important anime ever made, not just for the sports genre, but for anime in general was Tomorrow's Joe, Ashtano Joe. It was pretty much the spearhead on the holy trinity of sports anime. Tomorrow's Joe at the front, Star of the Giants, and Attack Number 1 on the sides. It proved that sports were a viable genre for anime, especially in the wake of the Tokyo Olympics. And you go from Tomorrow's Joe to the likes of Captain Tsubasa, Slam Dunk, all the works of Mitsuru Adachi, and so on and so forth. And once the 2010s rolled around, when sports anime really had a renaissance here in America, because you gotta understand, when Tim and I were getting into anime fandom back in the day, there was very little appetite for sports anime, and the ones that were acclaimed didn't really get that much attention. The big one to me being Hajime no Ippo, another boxing right. anime, funnily enough. Right, I was gonna say, I remember, you know, hearing about... Uh, Hajime no Ippo, but there was really no desire for it, and it, and it was regarded as a as a, a huge financial flop uh, when Genion tried to release it back in the early 2000s. Single discs, not even once. But once the 2010s rolled around and we started seeing things like Ace of Diamond and Kuroko's Basketball and Haikyuu and Yuri on Ice really start gaining a foothold in Western fandom, one question kept popping into my mind, and Tim can vouch for me because he saw me at several panels asking this question over and over and over again. Where's my ice hockey anime, Japan? Yep. If there was ever a sports panel at Otakon or somewhere, I'd always go up and say, where's my ice hockey anime? Because, you know, I'm an ice hockey fan, and with how melodramatic and how intense the sport is, it baffles me that we never got an ice hockey anime before. Now, there are several ice hockey manga, and we'll get to that when we talk about the primetime discussion, but as far as I am aware, there hasn't really been a devoted ice hockey anime. It's made appearances in other stuff, but there hasn't been an anime all about the coolest game on ice. Which is really a shame, because if there's one thing that animation could do, 
and the, the the trick of making drama into sports is is knowing where to slow down and speed up and and get into the rhythm of the game there's no other game that probably would benefit more from that than than something that goes at the speed of light like hockey oh no doubt about that i mean we've seen like uh, many uh, dramas portray themselves you know, two hours at a time when we're watching this thing, either in the regular season or even when the playoffs roll around. It's like we rise and fall at every turn with these games. Like, go and watch Game 7 between the Kings and Blackhawks from the 2014 Stanley Cup playoffs. That was a game for the ages. So when I heard news that they were developing an ice hockey anime, I'm like, finally, yes, my dreams have come true. And then I started seeing promo art for it, and I'm like, well, you know, they're going a little uh, love livey here thing, but, you know, it, it could still be good. And then I see them in idol costumes, and I'm like, it's just a little moe and idolish. It's still good. It's still good. And then I watched the first two episodes, and my heart sank. I asked for an ice hockey anime, and you give me this. Oh, I am so ready to drop the gloves with this one. But what were your impressions of this show? I mean, if I'm honest, when I finally started watching it, yeah, I will absolutely uh, give you that this was that this was probably just a very slow to get going show and well, I mean, I'll go into I'll go into more detail as to what my biggest issues with the series were when we get a little deeper in but it, it just felt like that there was something missing when the show kept going and i i tried to get in it but it I, the more i watched it it felt more like a chore to watch rather than just me being compelled to watch to me the the thing that at least that strikes me as the thing that was missing was any creativity whatsoever agree this is the epitome of paint by numbers anime and i'm probably a little more forgiving of it than most simply because i don't really watch sports anime very much and, and so even though i know these are all the same cliches at least i haven't seen them a hundred million times i can imagine if i had i would be even more negative on it but it's just it's predictable it's straight up well, okay, I I didn't expect a beach episode. Perhaps I should have, but... Oh, God, that is the <laughs> worst hockey. beach episode I have ever seen in my life. But at the end of the day, it's just... It's so paint-by-the-numbers that there's just nothing to set it apart from any vanilla bunch of girls get together, decide to play hockey. Everything yeah. you expected to happen happens. And, uh, yeah... Yeah, that that ties in a little bit more to what I was uh, to to kind of my thoughts. But again, like I said, we'll get into that a little bit more now. One thing I am going to at least defend here for the uh, setup for the show itself is is doing a women's uh, hockey series simply for the fact that the women's team in Japan, that the women's national team in Japan, is actually a little further up the chain when it comes to international competition than say the men's team is the men's team you know they're kind of in kind of a lower tier of the iihf uh, ranking so they're not like in the big tournaments the uh, the women's team 
they made the quarterfinals in the um, in the Olympics back in 2022, losing to Finland. And in the World Championships, the last three World Championships, they haven't they finished as high as fifth and as low as seventh. So it's a team that has you know shown growth and has shown some you know some potential. No two ways. But at the same time, it's also, you know, a team that still has somewhere to go. The one thing I will give it is, like, you almost feel like there might have been a couple people who do care about this and do enjoy the sport and had an idea here. And then just at every single turn, somebody said, no, just 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 go with the simple answer. Because there's characters where you're like, wow, actually this would have been a better show if they had been the main characters, but nope. Or, oh, this might be an interesting development. Nope, we're we're just going to bring it right back to the, you know, pH level 7 all over again. Because we can't oh. put anything in this of any interest. Wow, that's a deeper, that's a, <laughs> a chemistry reference. I wasn't expecting that tonight. <laughs> eh, wife's a chemist, what can I say? There you go. <laughs> Uh, you talk about the women's team. I guess we should talk about the scene that pretty much triggered several Anitubers who watched it. And that was the show opens in the championship between Canada and Japan. And Japan beats Canada. And several Canadian Anitubers got upset by this because, you know, Canada's women's team, Japan's women's team is good but nowhere near the level of the u.s or canada they're top 10 yes but they're not really gonna make podium the canadian and u.s women's hockey team they've been leading the world in women's hockey pretty much ever since they ever since the sport was added uh to the olympics in 1998 yeah although you get a feeling like these people were kind of just making it so that they can be mad at it because in fairness to the show, they established that it's a U16 team. And, like, I don't know. I thought it was a little overplayed, their rage. Anti-tubers, their overplayed rage? I've never heard of such a thing. Oh. I know, it's a weird concept. That wasn't my biggest problem, though. My problem is what happened after Japan beats Canada. What, the PowerPoint slideshow? No. It's when the girls decide to do their quote-unquote victory dance. Which is where they change into their idol outfits and do a dance for the crowd. There's a team in the NHL called the Carolina Hurricanes who do this thing called the Storm Surge. Where all the players line up at one end of the ice, they tap their sticks, get the crowd going, and they charge across the ring to the other end and leap onto the boards. This famously drew the ire of Canadian hockey pundit Don Cherry, who infamously called the Hurricanes a bunch of jerks for doing that, and naturally the Hurricanes took his insults to heart and happily referred to their fans as a bunch of jerks, and they made a lot of money with that whole campaign. You'll see a lot of Hurricanes fans wearing shirts that say, bunch of jerks on it, but... In fairness, as over-the-top as the Storm Surge is, it's at least fun. This is way worse than that. 
having a group of girls from Japan beat your nation and then dance and sing about how they beat your team, that is way worse and more insulting than that. Can't ima- I can't imagine any international governing body would uh, be too happy at that at that whole thing. <laughs> you can tell even the creators weren't quite sold on it, given the fact that they kind of forget that the idol part is part of the plot for whole episodes at a time. Well, see, here's the thing that I'm gonna say, and here's one bit that that I will def- that I will slightly defend the show on. I- I'll basically say that. You know, the concept of a hockey team that's full of idols is suitably, I guess, Japan enough to maybe be compelling, but it's just not done well here. And I think that's part, and I think that's the big thing right here. And I think that's going to be the core of our criticism. Idols, ice hockey. Ice hockey, idols. Those two things, they don't go together. If you've ever talked to somebody who grew up skating or is from that neck of the woods, you know, upper Midwest, New England, Canada, there's kind of a magic to ice hockey that it's really a shame it didn't include. You know, there's story after story of people flooding their backyards with the hose and and that was like the sign of winter when they could skate in the backyard. And I have a friend from northern Montana where that was... They would put water in between the between the drifts of snow. It would freeze so hard as a rock. They would then flood in between with water and make these, you know, two to three times the size of a hockey rink ice sheets. And just all the kids would go play and and skate around and and it just became what you did all winter. And so it, it's not just that like there's nothing to this. You you're kind of writing a better story in your head going. Why does this start with embroidery and not somebody in a hose in a backyard in Hokkaido or something? Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but let's, as always, start with animation. There's not much to say here. It's average. Stiff. Very stiff. And there are uh, there are some moments where, you know, you can tell that it's very recycled in a lot of still frames in certain spots as well, especially... Uh, in that infamous beach episode. Lots of panning, lots of long establishing shots. It's as basic as basic gets. I was glad they must have found a little more money in the couch cushions because (laughs) the first episode is particularly bad. In their high emotional moment, they do a PowerPoint presentation effectively, (laughs) and there are so many scenes where it's supposed to be this, you know this is the championship and the crowd is cardboard cutouts. I felt like it was back in the COVID area where they put cardboard cutouts in the crowd just not to make it look silly. Ouch. I was going to say like, they looked like video game spectators. That's I think where it's more of what it more looked like to me from like a PS one game. Bring out NHL 05. NHL 2000 was the one I grew up with that and NHL hits 2002 with uh, Scott Stevens on the front cover. One good thing I can say about Pride of Orange is that I like its location. I said the same thing about Please Teacher. Please Teacher is a show that's painfully average, but it's set in a very nice and cozy, quiet Japanese town, and apparently this is a real place. 
I that I wasn't aware of that. This is an actual. This is the actual an actual arena and everything. Yes, it is. The town is located in the Tochigi Prefecture in Japan. The one thing I will say about animation is there's one scene. This isn't high compliment, but one scene in the final episode where they are animating hockey, where I felt like okay, they're starting to get the potential that is animating hockey. It lasts all of like two minutes and the dance number is longer. So that's probably more a backhanded compliment. But, you know, I guess, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. The show is supposed to be a promotion to grow ice hockey. So they add idols in there, but it's also apparently supposed to be an advertisement for people to go to Tochigi, Japan. Kind of like what Zombieland Saga did, where a majority of it takes place in the Saga Prefecture in Japan, except Zombieland Saga is, you know, good. And if you're going to bring up Zombieland Saga, I think that's a good transition to my biggest sticking point with this series. The characters are so bland in this series, and the chemistry is just not there. I was going to say... I said the characters look like Love Live characters, and I'm honestly not far off. You're not, and but even then, I think that the Love Live characters, uh, you know, they're so much better animated and have a life to them. The characters here in Pride of Orange, it, it just feels so... I, I, it's like I'm waiting to try to get some kind of interactions. Like I've seen, you, you know... We, we've seen shows like this before with with the uh, teenage girls kind of just having day-to-day lives. Like, we've seen Lucky Star, we've seen K-Own and shows like that. But the biggest difference with those shows is that there's good interplay between the characters. And at least in the case of something like, uh, like those two shows, a bit of a thriving scene with the uh, side characters as well, or bits with the side characters that make you kind of interested in them you don't have that here in pride of orange and i think that's the biggest detriment to this series aside from the animation is just that the characters are flat and the and the interplay and chemistry between them is next to non-existent the character designs were done by the illustration group craft egg and if that name sounds familiar they did character designs for the bang dream series which is why the girls look like Love Live characters. Boy, howdy, do I wish this show had the music of Elements Garden on it. Even the characters that are kind of interesting, I I, I think you could improve the show, not by a ton, but even just a little bit by bringing, like, maybe making Rico and Naomi the main characters. But every time they have something kind of interesting going on, they're just like, oh, never mind, well... Well, let's get back to the blandness. That's that's a little too spicy for you. Yeah, it, it really feels like that they're just... I, I, again, it just doesn't jump off the screen. It just it feels like it's just something that you would have on in the background. It's, it doesn't compel you. If there's one good thing I can at least say about the characters and character designs, even though they are generic idol designs, I am at least thankful that there is no... <clears throat> lady of size in this show that they designate as the goalie because if there is one stereotype that offends me across any medium it's the fat goalie stereotype yeah i i can agree with that like 
Have you seen how quick you're supposed to react to that puck when it's screaming at you for, at about 90 plus miles an hour? A guy or gal of bigger size is not going to be able to make that stop. The first rule of being a goalie is that you gotta be able to move, move, move. Yeah, goalies may look big, but that's because they're wearing incredibly bulky equipment. They wear a big-ass chest protector. They wear incredibly padded pants. They've got those big-ass pads, blocker, and catcher's glove. But it all looks proportional. It makes the goalies look bigger than they are. But if you see a goalie without their equipment on, they're usually pretty lithe and in shape. If you want fat goalies, you can go and watch lacrosse. <laughs> if you ever think that, you know, goalies aren't athletic, just go watch some old Martin Brodeur highlights and watch him basically outskate everybody on the ice. That's true. Or... There's very few people in any sport who they basically say, you know what, we really ought to create a rule because you're too good at this. <laughs> Look That's at the footage true. from when Patrick Wall went over the red line against the Rangers and got penalized for it. And, of course, I got to bring it up myself. Go watch the uh, the save from Game 2 of the uh, 2018 Stanley Cup Finals when Braden Holpe somehow makes a, makes a huge save with, like, less than two minutes to go against Vegas. Go and watch any save montage from some of Don Cherry's old Rock'em Sock'em tapes. That's what a lot of the goalies in my day would watch. I will also compliment them for using an actual real-life hockey rink for their setting as well, because the arena that the girls play at is the actual, or at least based on, the real-life Nico Kirifuri Ice Arena, home to the Nico Ice Bucks in the Asia Ice Hockey League, which is a minor league-ass hockey team name if I ever heard it. <laughs> Very true, but hey, you know what? You never know what kind of fun stuff you'll ever see in a minor in uh, in the minor leagues. Because usually the default thing to do whenever you've got a team in the minor leagues, if you can't come up with anything, just take an animal or something else and put ice before it. The Knoxville Ice Bears, the Austin Ice Bats, the Louisiana Ice Gators, the Pensacola Ice Flyers. Or, worst case scenario, just ice. Go Steelheads. <laughs> Go Comets. Now, we'll say this as well, uh, just taking a look at it. Uh, with uh, the, the Ice Bucks, it uses the same colors that, uh, that we see in the show for the, uh, for the Dream Monkeys. Although, I will sit here and say this, that every single time I'm seeing the, the main jerseys for them, I'm always just thinking like, wait, are those Flyers jerseys? <laughs> they remind me a little more of the Danbury hat tricks in the Federal Hockey League, and I don't know if that's a compliment that I'm comparing their jerseys to that of a team in the lowest men's professional league in America. I mean, you gotta get inspiration from somewhere, I guess. Speaking of inspiration, the one thing that... the one real-world hockey reference that they have. The Pro Shop... The pro shop, and by the way, the pro shop in this looks awful. It's very clear that they just took pictures of, like, a pro shop online or the pro shop within the ice arena and then just called it a day and superimposed filters over it. It looks awful. Yeah. There's a banner in there that says, It's a great day for hockey by a guy named Bob Johnson. I'm like, wow, that's a generic-ass quote. Like, is that a real thing? And it turns out that it is. 
It is a reference to University of Wisconsin legend Badger Bob Johnson, who was famous for being an incredibly upbeat and enthusiastic coach. He was the guy who coached the Pittsburgh Penguins to their 1991 Stanley Cup. Tragically, he passed away in November of 91 and is forever immortalized in the rafters of the University of Wisconsin's ice hockey rink. I wonder, yeah, I wondered if that if that was based on anything as well. I mean, again, maybe just a uh, happy accident was bringing that reference in, but regardless, I'm glad it's there. I don't think they even knew who Bob Johnson was. They just saw this banner with a generic quote that said, it's a great day for hockey, and I'm like, yeah, let's put that in there, but... You know, you're not going to see any pictures of the likes of Maurice Richard, Gordie Howe, Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Brett Hull, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin, Connor McDavid, or Jack Hughes anywhere in this photo. They didn't get any endorsements from the NHL or NHLPA, and thank God they didn't. Nothing really from any of the leagues out in Japan either. Well, well maybe it's 30 years in the future, and, and so really the only player we could expect is Yager in there. <laughs> I don't think Yager has the shame to put his name on this. I don't no, know. but he'd play in the game. I don't think he would. Speaking of things that are unremarkable, the soundtrack. There's nothing that stands out about it. It's just eh, your typical Moe slice of life sort of thing. There's parts where I don't think they used it correctly. In like the second or third game in the first period, they play the game where there's like a lo-fi hip-hop sounding track in the background, and I'm like, well, this certainly doesn't amplify the speed and intensity of hockey. It sounds like something they should play when they're practicing. The only time I think where they got the soundtrack right was that was in the final game at the end of the series, but other than that, it's just like, it's very by the numbers. Nothing really jumps out. Not even the opening and the ending. And the OP, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's one of those suitably, you know, you know, catchy, Love Live-esque uh, songs, but it's whatever. I just figured that somewhere in Japan there must be a public domain for, you know, the most off-the-shelf anime soundtrack, because that feels where they picked it up from. It's funny you say that, because the music for this was done by the group Monaka, founded by ex-Namco composer Keiichi Okabe, they are most famous for doing the music to Nier Automata, a game that has a phenomenal soundtrack. They also did the music for My Team Romantic Comedy Snafu, Star Driver, they did several of the Garo anime, uh, Concrete Revolution, and for all you Magical Girl fans, they did the music for Aikatsu and Yuki Yuna is a Hero. But yeah, I agree with you. This just sounds like a bunch of leftover tracks they happen to have laying around thrown into a OST. I'm like, nobody's going to watch this show. Let's just throw it out there. I will say, the opening is kind of a guilty pleasure for me. It's got a nice beat, and even if I have heard it off of a Love Live soundtrack, it does kind of get my blood pumping. Although, I am absolutely certain that you wouldn't play this in an actual hockey game unless it is to mock your opponents. As Tim mentioned, there's only one team in the NHL that wears orange. And that's the Philadelphia Flyers, and they suck. <laughs> and they have for quite some time now. <laughs> yeah, but like, if you play this thing as a pump-up song, the coach is probably going to go up to the DJ booth, punch you in the face, and say, Don't ever play that weeb shit again! <laughs> I appreciate in the opening that they pass the puck from character to character and that's about as positive as I'm going to get there 
I mean, you got that, and then you got that other little scene near the end where each of them, you know, do a little quick move, but a move, a quicker move than anything they do in the actual series when in uniform, I should point out. But eh, those are really the only two major highlights of that uh, of that OP. The only way I can see this working outside of the anime is if you play it when the flyers come out to mock them. But no professional team would do that, saying like, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the ice, the visiting Philadelphia Flyers! Fight, don't fight, da-da-da-da-da! I don't think it would go over well with the home crowd when the... I, no. I, I, ima- I imagine... I, I try to imagine that being played at Capital One Arena. There's no way that goes over well. <laughs> at all. At all. Huh. <sighs> As for voice acting, there's not much I can say. Because all the main girls are played by, like, idol singers or, like, newbies, there's nobody of note on the main cast. So I'll just go over, like, the ones who are noteworthy. The only notable one who stands out in that cast is Mayu Sagara. And it's funny you mentioned Love Live because she is Kasumi in Love Live Nijigasaki and Mike Nekotani in Inuaki-san. The other notable one is Yoshino Aoyama as Mami. That's uh, Manaka's friend who leaves by train in, like, the second episode. You may know her as Lin Mei in Decadence, Yoshino Nanase in Wake Up Girls, and uh, her most recent notable role was that she was a girl named Hitori Bochi Goto in a little show called Bochi the Rock. Oh, if only we had been watching that. would have been yeah. a much more pleasant experience. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> The only other notable actors I could find in this dub are Mikako Komatsu as Yoko Matsunaga. That's the coach. We'll get to her. She is Maki in Jujutsu Kaisen, Rebecca in Eden Zero, Yumei in Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash, Celestia in Recreators, Sei Iori in Gundam Build Fighters. Yeah, that's the main boy. His name is not Delty. Deal with it. Marika Kato in Bodacious Space Pirates, and Gamo in Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro. And speaking of... Uh-oh. <laughs> the Canadian girl Maya Walker is played by Nagatoro herself, Sumire Uesaka. You might have also heard her as Lum in the Urusei Yatsura remake, Nonna in Gals und Panzer, Sanai Dekamori in Love, Chunibyo, and Other Delusions, and Chisato Shirasagi in Bang Dream. And in there for all of what? About five lines for the entire series? Yep. They don't have her attempt to speak English with some kind of accent. Or what the Japanese thinks passes for a Canadian accent. <laughs> also, something else that triggers me about this show. This thing got a dub. Did any of you watch it? Yes, I did. I, I-, I watched it because that was what popped up when I watched it on Crunchyroll. And, you know, bless them. They, they, they were really trying to make something of it, but it's just, again, they're, re- they're, they're just, it's a case of them trying to make what is a really mediocre series work, and it just doesn't uh, work for them. I listened to both, mainly because I wanted to see if they did anything with the Canadian character in the sub, which, you know, they gave her one English line, so I guess that's something. It's... Your your experience will not change in the dub or the sub. It's the same experience. I I agree though, that the voice actors in the English it didn't feel like they were phoning it in. It just felt like they had nothing to work with. 
Exactly. Like, and again, you even look at the folks that are in this series. Series, there's there's a number of you know side characters that are played by some newcomers that you know we'll probably be knowing about more in a few years. But you, know, you look at at least some of the main characters; there are fairly decent names attached to this. It's just. Ryan Bartley, Lizzie Freeman, Burn April, Kaylee Mills, Morgan Garrett, Stephen Foo's in there too. Yeah, as the uh, as uh, Yoko's assistant. Oh, you want to talk about somebody who should have had a bigger role in this? This dub just baffles me, and it's not because it's bad or anything. It's fine. You guys pretty much said what I had to say about it, but it's just that why this? Why does this show get a dub? Meanwhile, other acclaimed and semi-popular things like Bochi the Rock, Futo P.I., Do It Yourself, and Birdie Wing still don't have English dubs. The fucking vending machine Isekai gets a dub, but not Birdie Wing? The show made by Sunrise? Yeah, fuck you, Shorzy. I mean, Sony recreators will always be my one where it's like how how no no dub here like you, you kind of need it but nope nope we're gonna we'll, we'll spend our money on on people talking about ice hockey aniplex plus ways. amazon prime equals disaster that's all i have to say to that yeah i'll agree <laughs> well, with you there <laughs> so we've kind of talked about this but let's just talk about pride of orange for prime time because pride of orange is biggest issue is that I'll say it again I ask for an ice hockey anime and you give me this I am at a loss for words that this is how ice hockey makes its debut when it comes to having an anime all about it and it's not that the problem is that it's women's hockey we discussed this pre-show but Japan's women's hockey team is pretty good, so it makes sense that you'd have a women's hockey team. The problem is that, again, you're trying to shoehorn a fucking idol show into it. And uh, and a mobile game, don't forget that. And that's why the show turned out the way it did. When you look at the credits, you're going to see that one of the big funders of this show was mobile games company DMM. They used this show to hype up a mobile game, which, if you know my feelings about mobile gaming, I will always say mobile gaming is stupid. And the mobile game was so successful, it shut down one year later. (laughs) Uh, And you almost would welcome more of the idle stuff, because at least that would make it unique. It wouldn't have made it better. It might have made it worse, but it would have been something to talk about. Yeah. This it feels so stapled on that it's like, okay, well, you know, I guess this is two minutes of dancing I can skip. But it's not even enough to, like, make it into a train wreck. It's just... It's a fender bender. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you back up into somebody, there's just some minor scuff marks, and you just say, oh. (laughs) There were so many moments where you're like, take a risk, do anything. There's, like, one of the few kind of amusing lines is one of the girls says it's not polite to ship your teammates and i'm like you know what do it we would actually have yuri on ice that would be interesting (laughs) and (laughs) at least something would have happened that i could say was unique to the show but like there's just nothing here 
I wouldn't mind the idle thing if there was a balance there, but, you know, again, idle's fine, ice hockey, great, idle's playing ice hockey? Yeah, fuck you, Shorzy. Yeah, just doesn't, it just, again, and like I said, the concept, I think, actually, if it could be done with someone who's got some creativity, could be something memorable, but I can't even sit here and say that I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember the characters from this series a week out a after all this. It's, it's so, I mean, the only character I think that maybe I'll, maybe I will quote unquote remember is Yoko. And that's just because she's kind of she's kind of fun, but I've seen her character done better elsewhere. I'm going to remember Yoko for all the wrong reasons. Oh boy, <laughs> I got a whole rant about her. But yeah, they sh it tries to be an idol show because these girls spend more time away from the rink, probably because it means the animators don't have to animate them practicing. And therein lies my first fault: the drills that they have the girls do are incredibly basic. This is something you see at, like, an Atom-level game. Mm -hmm. They're just, like, passing the puck back and forth in a circle. There's no real intensity to their passes. There's no grip. There's no real, like, speed or agility shown. And I'm like, did you guys even watch a professional practice? Because this is not how a team practice. This isn't how a club team practice. This isn't even how a beer league team practices. This is preschool level practicing yeah i think there was a movie once that said you know everyone starts at a level zero or something but you know even then it's like yeah it never the drills as the show goes on don't show the same don't show the growth uh that they've uh that they've had and they start everyone from zero it would at least be mildly interesting if they give a nod to Oh, these two have actually played it before. It's just no care, no thought, no effort. I mean, it would at least be fine if their coach started them from level zero, but the girls start at zero at the beginning, and they end at zero. There's no growth, no development for these girls. Like I had to look their names up and type them in because... Outside of Manaka, it was a while since I watched Pride of Orange because I immediately went and watched something else that was better than this. And I just forgot who they all were. They're all forgettable. Manaka, the main girl, I'm pretty sure that it is just a coincidence that she looks like a fusion of Honoka and Chika from Love Live. Yeah, I could probably see that. And you're also talking about shows that premiered, you know, that season. I mean, I'm just taking a look at some of them. Probably, you know, probably the biggest one that I can see right offhand uh, is uh, Comey Can't Communicate uh, premiered right around the same time as Pride of Orange. So you really want to talk about, you know, just a le the level of shows that are there. You also had Ranking of Kings start that's start around that same time as well. So whatever else you can say about some of these shows, it's like when it came to new stuff coming out around that time, it's like you had so many better options. Any option is a better option. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that there was like a barn burner of a season, but at the same time, there were still things that came out that were infinitely more entertaining than this. To, to tell you how forgettable these characters are, I literally have the Wikipedia page open 
because I remember these characters more by position they played than their actual names, and that's the only way I can remember which one I'm referring to. The one thing that's, the only thing that stands out about Monaka, she's basically your generic, constantly happy and upbeat and optimistic girl. Like, she's Honoka from Love Live. There's no other way of changing it, is that she's a forward who wears number one. And this kind of gets my undies in a twist, because number one is a goalie number. There's a lot of famous goalies who wore number one who have their names hanging in the rafters. Jacques Plante, Terry Sawchuk, Bernie Perrant, Roberto Longo, Glenn Hall. It's funny, though, because you don't see a lot of goalies nowadays who wear number one. That's very much an old school sort of thing. Yeah, I was going to say that that's something that I just remember. It's like I usually see goalies in the NHL now wearing like in the 30s or maybe something from 70 and above at this point. Like, the last big goalie who played for us that I remember to wear number one was Keith Kincaid. And, of course, I think the first devil to wear number one, Chico Resch, his name should be in the rafters of the Prudential Center. But, like, a forward wearing number one, that'd get you kicked off the team in hockey. Well, if only that was, you know, the greatest sin. This is true. <laughs> the rest of the girls are all forgettable and they have practically zero chemistry with each other. There's no yeah. witty banter. There's no episode where like they, you know, pick on each other or like do something that helps them get better at hockey. There's one episode where Kaoruku has to learn how to raise her voice as a goalie, but any goalie can learn how to do that. Yeah. Again, oh, I like thought I that's just, I thought that's how goalies usually learn to do that is through beach volleyball. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, Pride of Orange may have the single worst beach episode that I have ever seen in an anime. Let's just cut to the chase right here. Beach episodes are kind of a tightrope to walk. Sometimes when you handle them well, they can actually be pretty fun. Some good jokes, some nice lighthearted fun, and on occasion they can actually help advance the plot. Those are usually the best beach episodes. Yeah, you've got some girls in swimsuits and guys being perverts and getting paid out for it. But there's usually something that advances a character's development or a major story element is introduced or there's a subtle plot twist in that beach episode. Not in Pride of Orange. Oh no. It's just a lot of still shots and girls doing nothing of note. There's a scene where they're cleaning a swimming pool and... This immediately made me think of that one episode of School Rumble where they play yeah. uh, floor hockey in their school swimming pool. Yeah, I, I, that, that's actually, that's a highlight of that of that show for me. I would say that this is a worse beach episode or swimsuit episode than episode zero of Mock and Key 2. Because what? as distasteful as that episode was, I at least remember stuff from it. Ouch. Well, you know it's bad when they're having to force it so hard because, oh, well, I have a friend who has another inn who might need help in a location that has a beach. All y'all go out there. Oh, God. They spend more time at those inns than they do at the rink. It's rough. You know, and again, it's like what you said. Like, we've seen beach episodes go well, but there's so much of these, you know... All right, I'll say this right now. There are so many of these still shots and pans. The final episode of Promise Neverland season two is telling you is telling you you're overdoing it. 
Seasons 2 through 5 of Shokugeki no Soma are telling you to knock it off. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I like Shokugeki no Soma, but the animation in that is, uh, kind of rough. Yeah, no, well, you know where the animation goes for that one. <laughs> oh, I certainly do. Yeah. I and, certainly and do. And you bring that up. I mean, that's the other big thing about it right there. The, the one thing that I can say about Shokugeki no Soma or Food Wars, if you're not a hundred percent, if you're not a hundred percent on what that, what we're talking about, at least you remember the characters, and you're not scrambling to Wikipedia every five seconds to remember their names for heaven's sakes, like there's some creative character in the in the latest NHL game. The only two characters that had any potential to be rememberable were Naomi and Saginuma, because they actually had experience in ice hockey. As kids, they hadn't played it for some time, but they seemed to be interested in it. And yet, just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, we get a mention that Riku's dad played it, and that's it. It goes about as well... Hang on a second, I'm trying to think of it. I'm trying to think of the right one. Oh, let me do it. It goes yeah, go about ahead. as well as the Toronto Maple Leafs go in the playoffs. Dang it! I, I was trying to think of the right ah! to use there. <laughs> mm. There's one other girl whose name escapes me that they bring in from a team called Snow White. Which, yeah, you. What is with these? Yeah, you. Thank you. You. They escaped you? Oh, Jesus. That The show should have been about her. A girl yeah. who loses her passion for the game of ice hockey because she had a bad experience with one of her teams goes to, like, a newer program that takes a new approach to things and regains her love of the game. That's what this show should have been about. But instead, it's just slice-of-life stories around the prefecture they live in. And there's been a there's been another sports anime like that. It was big. It was called Big Windup. Not a lot of people watched it, but it was it was that's pretty much the exact story that you're talking about. Someone you know kind of gives up the sport, goes elsewhere to kind of get away from it, and then recaptures his appreciation. So it's like you know you have ideas and you have potential for story here, but you don't have the writers. Or the uh, or the gumption to tell a good story, and I think that more than anything is the biggest sin. But I have a whole rant prepared about the worst character in the show, and that is their coach, Yoko. She right. is the worst hockey coach I have seen this side of Mike Yo. Oof. Like her whole attitude toward these girls is like that of a mom who just showers her kids in praise and never, ever criticizes them whenever they make a mistake. Just this constant rah, rah, you can do it, and it's not what I want out of my sports anime. I'm not saying that she should be Mike Babcock. Nobody should want Mike Babcock as their head coach. Uh, watch Urinating Trees video on Mike Babcock for more information. Hey guys, Otaku Nate here, just cutting in with a little uh, update. Uh, Tim got a little bit confused over which coach Urinating Tree did a legacy of failure on. Uh, Urinating Tree's video was on former NHL coach Mike Keenan, not Mike Babcock. Mike Keenan is also a little notorious and controversial, but he is ten times the man that Mike Babcock was. Uh, anyway, yeah, go and check out Urinating Tree's video on Mike Keenan, but let's get back into the show. Look up all the stories from former players about how he treated them and their players and other players on the team. Like, he wasn't really abusive. He didn't harass anybody. He was just an asshole. He only got away with it because he had winning records. 
but everybody who has played for Mike Babcock will tell you he was a jerk. I mean, it's saying something when even Don Cherry will tell you that Mike Babcock made a lot of bad decisions and lost the trust of his players. So much so the guy can't even coach in the NHL anymore, basically. Yeah, look up what happened with him in the Columbus Blue Jackets. The way she coaches this team is just... If I knew people who coached like her, they would be fired. Do you guys have anything to say about Yoko? I'm always a sucker for for a character like Yoko, but like I've said, I've seen her character done so better in other places. Like, like you brought her up. Her voice, her voice actress is Sayori in, Gund- in Gundam Build Fighters, right? Uh, that's the kid, not his mother. Right, but I'm saying, but I'm saying. The mother in in Gundam Build Fighters is so much better an example of that kind of character than Yoko than Yoko is in this series. Hey, she gave birth to Delty, and that's enough. There you go. <laughs> There's nothing in this show that hasn't been done better somewhere else. I was expecting her to be more like Coach Oda, the coach that's stern, hard-nosed, skates her players until they puke, but at the end of the day, she's like a mother to them. She'll always help them up and tell them, this is what you need to do, do it well, or you're off the team. They need to be stern, but fair. That's what a good coach is. I look at what Lindy Ruff is doing with the New Jersey Devils, and how he's got that team in such a great mindset, how they've developed this living culture, this brotherhood in that locker room led by Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. Lindy Ruff is the team's dad, and they love him in there. And I had my doubts with him as our head coach at first. The Devils fans did when they famously yelled, Fire Lindy! at the beginning of last season, only to uh, rectify that by chanting, Sorry, Lindy! after we went on that 13-game heater. There you go. (laughs) But, like, you have the template for what a good coach should be in anime, and they just don't do anything with her except to be the rah-rah cheerleader coach, which is not healthy for a sports team. I was wondering at one point if she was going to go all her Brooks and Miracle uh, challenging uh, Rico when she got hurt. Maybe not in so many words as that specific scene, but still saying, hey, can you still maybe try to get anything on it? Is it going to get any worse if you skate on it? But there was really nothing there to that. I would love it if she was a player coach like Reggie Dunlop. Honestly, it's not probably the worst thing that they were suggesting that perhaps when you get injured, please don't go out again and break things worse. No, true enough. That's one of the reasons why I qualified. It's like, it can, is it going to get any worse if you play on it? Yeah, don't go out after a big injury, especially to your head. You'll just end up like Eric Lindros. Yeah, one of the girls wearing that orange, wearing that orange jersey and number 88. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's some bad memories right there. That's a quite an unfortunate coincidence. Here's 88. Lindros makes the move. Only a brick wall can stop him. Its name is Scott Stevens. Oof. And I want to stress also, the problem is not that it's women's hockey either. If this was handled like a show like Attack Number 1, or Aim for the Ace, or more recent fare like Hanebado, I think it could have been something special, but it just lies there on the ice like a kid at practice that doesn't want to skate because, you know, his coach is being mean to him. And we've seen, you know, good shows with women's sports in anime done before. I mean, I mean, Princess Nine is another example of that. So it's not like that it's impossible. 
to go super obscure, I'd say Battle Athletes Victory. There you go. There's another good example. But you don't have to look to the past in order to see good girl sports anime because just last year, I kind of mentioned this when talking about the dub, we got the anime Birdie Wing, an anime about golf. Golf, the most mundane and sedate sport known to man. But Birdie Wing takes the most boring sport to watch in golf and makes it fun and exciting and there's yuri in it too and you're like oh man this show's great yeah the ending was a bit rushed for my liking it's kind of typical of most sunrise anime some do it better than others but birdie wing i had a lot of fun and it has such a great lead in eve pride of orange takes a sport that is exciting and fun to watch and turns it into the most boring thing imaginable and i think that's the most unforgivable thing that pride of orange does it takes something that should be fun and exciting and makes it feel interchangeable pride of orange is a sport that could have been done with any other sport you could think of they could have done this thing with lacrosse or hurling or polo or corfball just think of any sport you could plug the girls from Pride of Orange into that sport and nothing would change. And I think that's its biggest sin. There's just there's just no two ways about that. It, it's just it's just not it, not nearly as much fun as it honestly should have been. And I think that's its greatest sin. Really says something about a show when if this had been any other sport, no one would be talking about it. The only reason why any of us are talking about it is because it was the first hockey anime but you know if this had been baseball or basketball or something done already this would have been lost to the sands of time and long forgotten i mean do you hear anybody talking about the likes of hoop days anymore what now (laughs) there was exactly (laughs) yeah there was an anime bandai released called hoop days they dumped it on home video and nobody remembers it much like a lot of stuff that bandai put out arjuna included I always remember, you know, you want to talk about putting things out there, that old promo disc that they had that had like, what, 20 trailers on it for various shows that it was, that they were putting out. Used to give that thing out of conventions, for God's sakes. You want to talk about uh, stuff being interchangeable. Before we head to our final thoughts, I want to play a little word association game. Because you can name a sport, any sport you can think of, and odds are there's an anime that is about it, and it's usually going to be pretty good. Let's start off with baseball. Um, touch. Something pitch. I'm sorry, I'm not a sports anime fan, as you can see. I, uh, Tim had it right with touch. You could also say anything by Mitsuru Adachi, because that's all that guy writes about is baseball. But with both cross game and mix. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, you had, you've got. I mean, that's his entire output. And then, of course, there's also, you know, again, there's also stuff like Princess Nine and Taisho Baseball Girls and One Outs and Big Windup. And you know, look at basketball. Slam Dunk just got a new movie. That's pretty good. The other big one is Kuroko's Basketball. American football has Eye Shield 21. Soccer has Captain Subasa and Days. Rugby has All Out. 
Ice skating has Ginbon Kaleidoscope and Yuri on Ice. Tennis has Aim for the Ace and Prince of Tennis. Ping Pong's got Ping Pong the Animation and Ping Pong Club. Boxing has Hajime no Ippo, for heaven's sakes. And Tomorrow's Joe, two very important and very popular series. Volleyball has Attack Number 1 and Haikyuu. And for extreme sports, you've got things like Monkey Turn, which is about jet skiing, and 2021's critical darling, Skate the Infinity. But Pride of Orange leaves a sore spot for all of us because it is the only ice hockey anime out there. And the fact that it has this is a blemish to the sport. This is one of hockey's biggest embarrassments. Up there with the likes of Alan Eagleson, the 2005 lockout, and the Kyle Beach scandal. The Nagano Tapes was a better ice hockey anime than this. <laughs> Don't even search that up on uh, on Wikipedia or anything. Just put that into YouTube and let that, uh, let that be your guide. The Nagano Tapes is a documentary about the 1998 Czech Republic gold medal hockey team. It is a great documentary in and of itself, but it made headlines for its intro. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, just... Go and find the movie online and watch the intro. It starts at like the one minute mark. Your mind will be blown. But after all that, we've said all we can about Pride of Orange. It is nothing but a cheap cash grab by a mobile game company. It tries to be a sports anime and an idol series and it fails at both. None of the characters are interesting. The story has no tension. I mean, the hockey parts look good for the most part but it's just not fun or exciting. It sucks all the fun you can have with a game of hockey. Pod in the Shadows says it best, saying the epitome of bad is not actually, you know, the worst thing is not the thing that is has the most bad in it. It's the thing that is just has nothing in it. It has no good, it has no bad, it has nothing. And that's exactly what this is. It's just, there's nothing there. Just do yourself a favor. Go find yourself a hockey game in real life. If you ever get somehow foisted into watching this, go watch a hockey game in real life and you'll recapture your love of the game very easily. But this was unfortunate because honestly, there was absolutely room for an ice hockey anime here in not just, you know, not just a fandom in Japan, but fandom over here in the West. I mean, we've seen that sports shows that once were considered to be kind of like, you know, bugaboos uh, by the industry and and have had very public failures have turned in to, if not huge successes, at least have, you know, sizable followings now. And hockey has produced some great fun media. Of course, I've referenced Slapshot, I've referenced Miracle, you know, there's Letterkenny and its spinoff Shorzy. Not really the best hockey movie, but still fun. The Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Sudden Death. The Mighty Ducks, if you want to go back, if you want to go back to maybe an old Di- an old Disney movie from back in the early 90s. Goon the is old- another big one. I should point out the only movie to ever birth an actual NHL team. <laughs> I wish the girls in this did the flying V. <laughs> It makes no sense in an actual hockey game, but screw it if it's not an awesome moment. It's it's a great it's a great bit in that in that movie, no two ways. But with what Eric said about quoting Todd in the Shadows about how the worst things aren't the most bad, they're the least good. Gigguk 
an Anituber who I have, uh, feelings about, he put out a video saying that Garzy's Wing is the worst anime that I have ever seen in my entire life, and I'm like, yeah, Garzy's Wing is bad, but it's only really bad because of that infamous English dub. If you take away the dub, you're just left with a mediocre fantasy with an incohesive Yoshiyuki Tomino story with Yoshiyuki Tomino dialogue. The thing is, if I can take pleasure away from something, even if it's laughing at how bad it is, that's something you take nothing away from. It's yeah. just six hours of your life that you'll never get back. Yeah, and like that like is it, what that is. And while I know you're not a superhero, uh, you're not a superhero movie fan. I'll bring up a perfect example of that right here. I like Batman and Robin more than I like Batman v Superman. <laughs> well, that's not an easy thing. I mean, come on. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger chewing up the scenery. You've exactly. got some fun set designs in there. Like you can have fun with Batman and Robin. You like, can honestly, Batman like, and Robin is quotable. Yes, it absolutely is. And let's at least be fair to this. The real sins of that movie are nothing that are that is really in the movie itself. It's mainly the the botch production behind it. That's really the biggest issue that movie had. Well, to be fair. 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 A good production can't save a bad script. True enough. If Garzy's Wing is the worst thing you've ever seen, no, you don't watch enough anime. It's stuff like Pride of Orange that's the real bad stuff. The stuff that's just so bland and gray and forgettable. It isn't painful, but it's just it's no draining. fun. It, it just drains your soul. I'm just coming off of reviewing Earth Girl Arjuna. That was also pretty soul-crushing with Kawamori talking about how I'm destroying the environment by eating hamburgers and using things with petrochemicals in them. And honestly, I don't know which show is worse, but I'm leaning toward Pride of Orange because I can at least remember stuff from Earth Girl Arjuna, even though that show made me legitimately angry. Yeah, I, this is definitely one I am in no rush to go back and revisit at any time it's just again you know you know thank goodness that the actual nhl season is upon us so you know i'll try to get myself out to a game and remind myself why i love this game even if uh you know whatever else is going on with uh, with my capitals who knows where it's going and you know it's like what you said at least i got ov going for the goals record to, to keep an eye on I'm praying to the hockey gods that Spencer Carberry works out for you. I always like it when you have a coaching prospect finally getting their shot. Yeah, I mean it can't it can't go any worse than how than how the end of Laviolette's ten, uh, tenure went here uh, because boy did it just not come together when the when the team got a lot of its veterans back. My only hope for ice hockey anime is. Satoru Noda, the creator of Golden Kamui, is starting up a new ice hockey anime called Dogs Red, and I really hope that that gets some sort of popularity so that we can get an anime of it, because he did another ice hockey anime called Supina Marada, and that one's actually pretty fun. I mean, I'm going to send you guys this panel. Look at this. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. It looks like Patrick Waugh and Joe Sackick are plotting to kill Victor from Yuri on Ice. 
Oh, that is wonderful. <laughs> this I can look forward to. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's it for Pride of Orange. It sucks. Don't watch it. Just go out and support your local hockey team. It doesn't matter if they play in the NHL, AHL, ECHL, SPHL, FPHL, USHL, USPHL, NAHL, NA3HL, Bantam, Might, Minor, Midget, QMJHL, WHL, OHL, whatever hockey league you have in your area, go and support it. You will have a much better time watching your local hockey team than you will this show. But that's going to do it for this show. If you like it, please give us a like. Subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, any place you get your podcasts from. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Otaku Nate Show on Twitter and Facebook. And you can follow me at NatendoWe on Instagram, where I am always posting photos of myself at sporting events. And uh, I recently went to the PLL Championships, that's a Premier Lacrosse League, in Philadelphia and had a hell of a time. The final itself, absolutely brilliant. This is what storytelling in sports is all about. <sighs> and after reviewing two soul-crushing series in a row, I think it's time to review something that brings me joy. And what brings me joy? Well, giant robots, of course. But this isn't any other giant robot show. This is a giant robot show that is very near and dear to my heart. For some... Their intro to mecha anime was things like Mazinger Z and Grendizer, especially if you were in, like, South America or Europe. For some, it was Gundam Wing or Gundam Seed on Toonami. For some, it was Evangelion. For some, it was the Big O. But my introduction to the world of Super Robots was a loving tribute from 2003 called Shinkon Gatai Godanner. And this is going to be a big review because I have so much to say about this series. And it's not just going to be a big review. I've got an interview to go along with it. Who with, though, uh, you'll have to find out next time. So until then, this is Otaku Nate. Let's go, Devils. This is Eric Berg. Go Blues. Long live the note. And this is Tim the Otaku Jock. Let's go, Caps. Unleash the Fury. And we're signing off and saying to the people who made this anime, Go to the church and ask God to forgive you.